We've excluded God from everything, and look at what's happening to us. We should probably send in special forces, similar to Rambo. I don't know enough about the military. Just scare them off, tell them off, I'll blow your head off, and that's all. That's done. Okay. Having our government do absolutely nothing. It's treason. Okay. That's what brings us to idiocracy. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. So uh, last week we started our conversation that we're going to kind of carry through this summer, which is what kind of church community do we want to be? What kind of community, when uh, people talk about Mission Hills or um, we think about ourselves, what do we want to be characterized by? And I show you this funny clip of this guy just listening, like C-SPAN. He just sits there and takes calls from whoever is going to call in on a Tuesday morning uh, to C-SPAN. Um, and he just sits there and he goes, okay, okay. Uh, listening, listening. Uh, if you take away one word of uh, a community uh, marked by something, I want to be a community that listens well. And you think that might be a weird thing for a church to uh, ascribe to, to be, but um, I think if we follow the text this morning, you'll get what I'm trying to get at, listening. Um, we can't be uh, a group of people uh, that cover our ears. Uh, no matter what nationality, ethnicity, religion, political ideology, we have to be willing to have conversations with each other, to have honest conversations. I think last night was a great example of holding space for a very difficult conversation in regards to a criminal justice system that most obviously uh, oppresses black and brown bodies. Being able to be a space to hold that conversation uh, is a good first step in talking about the things that are most important in our lives in our communities and in our world today. But I'll admit this is, this is not easy to do. It's not easy to, um, to listen. It's not easy to uh, listen in a way that's not patronizing. Um, you know, from all the things that are going on in our world today, uh, stripping away people's health care, uh, dismantling pr uh, the little protections that we do have on the environment, uh, disenfranchising low-income children uh, by making educational opportunities difficult, um, you know, we could go on down uh, the list here, um, but maintaining this status quo and holding space for these conversations is not an easy thing to do. And obviously here this morning, uh, many of us are uh, along the same side of the, the spectrum when it comes to uh, our ideologies and our political opinions. We all know this, and in some ways I'm kind of preaching to the choir, but I think one thing that the Bible does well, and I hope does well this morning, is it, uh, if, we, if we understand it right, it usually holds up a mirror to us. Um, it makes us look inward as opposed to uh, pointing the finger outward. And that mirroring, being able to see ourselves in an honest way, in a way that we're not forced to on uh, maybe Monday through Friday, uh, where we have to look really inwardly and sort of face our own biases, our own refusal to listen to people uh, maybe on the other side of the spectrum when it comes to ideologies or opinions about the way our lives impact one another. Um, it's very easy in the world of, we've talked about this all the time, but 
social media and Facebook to really lock into one particular uh, set of opinions and kind of say, and I, I'm, if you look at my Twitter feed, you can, you can see this, I can see this in myself, right? You can look at, you could go on Twitter and you can be like, man, Ryan's got some like problems, right? So, uh, I'm very angry on Twitter. Um, but we have to be able to, we have, if we really want to be a self-reflective people, if we really want to be a community marked by grace and marked by the grace of God, we have to be a community that's willing to, to listen. And in our text today, in Acts 7, uh, it's not a, um, you might think, this is a really weird text for Mother's Day, and it is. It is a really weird text for Mother's Day. And it's from Acts 7, and it's only five verses, 55 to 60. It's... Um, Stoning of Stephen. So we'll, we'll read this, and uh, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. Acts 7, 55. But Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. Gazing upward into heaven, he saw something they couldn't see, the glory of God. And Jesus was standing at his right hand. And Stephen said, Look, I see the heavens opening. I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and started shouting, the whole crowd rushed at Stephen, converged on him, dragged him out of the city, and stoned him. They laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, while they were pelting Stephen with rocks. Stephen, as rocks fell upon him, said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt in prayer, shouting at the top of his lungs, Lord, do not hold this evil against them. Those were his final words, and then he fell asleep in death. So what we don't see, obviously, in this passage is what happened. It's like tuning in to like, the very end of a movie, and you're like, oh, gosh, this guy died. What happened? Um, but what we don't see is all of chapter 6 and chapter 7, where uh, Stephen is actually— so you have the uh, 12 uh, disciples who then become apostles, and what they find is you know, this is a reform movement in Judaism at the time. The church is such an early church that it's not a new religion yet. It's not even Christianity. It's just a reform movement in Judaism. So you have um, this new sort of wellspring in the wake of the death of Jesus of people, uh, his disciples, primarily trying to live like their rabbi, trying to live like Jesus. And they find uh, that the work is a little bit too much for them. So what they do is they, uh, they find people to be uh, deacons, to be servants in the church, to really carry out the mission amongst the community. And so that mission, the mission of Jesus, was to help the poor, the, the ones that were outcast in society. And so Stephen has been appointed as kind of the, the head deacon to take upon this responsibility of caring for the poor, caring for a group of women, uh, feeding those who are hungry. And this is what Stephen does. As you know, it doesn't go well for Stephen. Like, he gets in a lot of trouble with the religious authorities. Um, this type of subversive, radical care for the poor and disenfranchised uh, just doesn't go well with, uh, you know, systems that operate, uh, you know, based on a different set of interests that are not primarily helping the poor. So uh, rumors go around, and Stephen's accused of a bunch of things that he didn't do. He gets taken before these religious authorities, in many ways paralleling how Jesus got taken before the religious officials and then was sentenced to death. Stephen, same thing happens to Stephen. He gets brought between uh, the Sanhedrin, these uh, religious officials that are trying to like hear his case. And then he gives all of chapter 7, if you want to read all of chapter 7, this is this really long speech about the history of Israel and how essentially 
he gets down to s basically saying that um, they're oppressing uh, and not hearing the prophetic word uh, of Jesus and Jesus' disciples at this point, and that they're basically like those in Israel who refuse to listen to the prophets in the Old Testament, and he, you know, accuses them of not um, being in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the community of God. And then you get to 55, and they say, well, this is not good. We're going to stone you. Um, but I find this uh, verse in, in 57 to be really important for this morning. At this, they covered their ears and started shouting. Stephen is, is trying to speak truth. He's trying to, to, uh, to explain what the Spirit is doing amongst the people of God. And what do they do? They cover their ears and they start shouting. And I think we can... Um, kind of relate to this impulse. You know, we don't want to hear the truth. We don't want to pay attention when we're confronted with something that um, we know is going to force us to make a life change. Uh, we, we have a tendency to want to, to cover our ears. Uh, humanization. We talked about humanization last night a lot and what it takes to humanize people on whatever side of the spectrum you're on, to see people as people, whether they're people with, uh, you know, ridiculous opinions that you might think, you know, we have to find creative ways, we have to create space to see those people as ridiculous as their opinions might be as people, uh, to hold space for this conversation, to say, talk to me, like, I, I want to listen. Um, and like I said, it's, it's very difficult. Um, very difficult to do. How will we be able to um, to both listen and to, because I don't think we can really speak out about injustice that we find in the world until we're uh, willing to do the, the harder work of listening. Um, that's really the subversive uh, element of this. I read this morning that 20% uh, of American uh, children live in poverty. Um, there's another interesting passage in, in uh, verse 58, or uh, verse uh, in this passage. Um, in 58, it says, They dragged him out of the city and stoned him, and they laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, who we now know as Paul, right? The guy who wrote, like, the most of the New Testament is standing there. It's like the, Luke casually throws that in. You know, they throw their coats at the feet of Saul, who's just standing there watching this happen. And we have to be both the people that, that listen and carry the balance of um, not being silent, right? Because here Paul um, is complicit in the violence that is being uh, perpetrated against Stephen by just standing there, just letting it happen to people. And so when I was thinking about uh, you know, the conversation of the panelists last night about, you know, how, how do we get involved? You know, what do we do with an issue that seems uh, way bigger than what one person can really take on? Um, and a, a large part of that is being willing to listen, but then also being willing to speak truth uh, and stand for uh, justice, stand for those that are, uh, that violence is being uh, put against them. Um, and that's, that's a difficult balance to make. But I just think it's so fascinating that I, this is the first time I noticed that Saul, Paul, is, uh, is just standing there. He's just standing there uh, letting, 
letting this happen, complicit in the violence. So we must be willing to create spaces in which we can humanize each other. Will we cover our ears? Will we shout and play the blame game, which is obviously really popular in our culture? <coughs> the difficult thing about a story like this is that we're all, we're all of the characters at some point or another. Um, sometimes we pick up stones, don't we? Other times we, we let others pick up the stones and we, we sit there and don't say anything. Uh, and then sometimes we're receiving, sometimes we do speak up, and sometimes um, that doesn't turn out so well for us. Um, it didn't turn out well for Jesus either. Yeah, I mean, almost every, almost every prophet, it doesn't end well. So how do we see ourselves? Are we in the crowd that covers our ears? How are we refusing to listen to the perspectives that challenge our own worldview? How are we encouraging division when we could be building community? Uh, because I think that we, when we look at the world around us, it's, it's pretty clear that many people prefer to, to cover their ears. Um, there's a lot of shouting and not a lot of listening. Uh, and we, the church, you know, we're, we're a part of that. Uh, we're, we're just as guilty as dehumanizing those people uh, that we deem our enemies. It's easy to bury ourselves into our own communities and our own technologies uh, that we affirm in ways that we affirm what we already know. And like I said, I think the radical thing of the Bible is that it forces us to, to see ourselves not as the good guys. I think we go about most of our lives th uh, you know, thinking and reading like, patting ourselves on the back a little bit, even if we don't realize it, like, yeah, we're on the right side of this. We're on the right side of history. Um, but I think if we really take a hard look at ourselves, um, we will find ways that we cover our ears from listening to someone. I know I do. Um, uh, there, there are times where uh, we pick up stones uh, when we should be finding more creative ways to speak truth um, to power. You know, thinking about Mother's Day and how Mother's Day fits into all this, um, I was doing a, a bit of research, and I came across um, how Mother's Day was really, in, at least in the United States, it becoming a national holiday, was really a uh, subversive Christian women's movement that I didn't realize beforehand. Um, and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with this, uh, just because I think it's a, a fun way, a fun example of how women in our country uh, did exactly this. They worked for women's rights, nonviolence. They created spaces in which they were people were able to listen to the issues of women in the uh, late 19th century, early 20th century, and um, in many ways embodied what I think as Mission Hills and um, both men and women as a community, what maybe we can uh, embody that, that same spirit um, as we go. For some years, radical Protestant women had uh, been uh, agitating for a National Mother's Day, hoping that it would further their uh, progressive political agenda that favored issues related to women's lives. In May 1907, Anna Jarvis, a member of the Methodist congregation in Grafton, West Virginia, passed out 500 white carnations in a church to commemorate the life of her mother. One year later, the same Methodist church created a special service to honor mothers. Many progressive 
Christian organizations picked up this cause and lobbied to Congress to make Mother's Day a national holiday. In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson made it official and signed Mother's Day into law. Thus began the modern celebration of Mother's Day in the United States. Mother's Day honors a feminist, inclusive, nonviolent vision for our global community. Born in the imagination of women who de devoted themselves uh, to, to God first over country. In the late 19th century, Julia Ward Howe expressed this hope in an uh, 1870 uh, poem uh, called A Mother's Day Proclamation from 1870. Uh, it calls women in, uh, to pacifism and to political resistance. I'll, I'll close with this poem. Arise then, women of this day. Arise, all women who have hearts. Whether your baptism be of water or tears, say firmly, disarm, disarm. The sword of murder is not the balance of justice. Blood does not wipe our dishonor, nor violence indicate possession. As men have often forsaken the plow and the anvil at, summons, at the summons of war, let women now leave all that may be left of home. For a great and earnest day of counsel, let them meet first as women to bewail and commemorate the dead. Let them solemnly take counsel with each other as to the means whereby the great human family can live in peace, each bearing after his own time the sacred impress, not of Caesar, but of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you call us as people to listen. You call us to listen to you, to listen to the Spirit moving in our lives, to be uh, attuned to the voices that we ignore. May we not stand by and be silent as 20% of children in our country live in poverty. May we not pick up stones and throw them at people that we think are to blame. May we find creative ways to listen, to engage with one another, to create solutions that align with your mission to continue to love people as you have loved us. We thank you for uh, our mothers. We thank you for women, for the women of uh, this community, the women that continue to call us into ever deeper love of one another, to teach us what it means to, um, to simply care. We're thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. could just stand on your feet. We're going to sing one last song today. Sing with my heart. If my heart is so
times the five they come and the road ahead gets steep I will lift these hands in faith I will believe I remind myself of all that you've done in the life I have because of your son Christine is uh, going to come out with the kids uh, any minute now. They're going to have a big entrance. But 
Uh, in the meantime, I want to just say thank you to Ryan. If we could 